WDBM East Lansing. The Impact. And now, Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Good evening, I am Abby Newton, and you are listening to Impact Exposure. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Now tonight, we will see how Michigan State University students spent their Super Bowl Sunday. Also, we will chat with Jennifer Battle about sustainability measures at Michigan State and hear from members of an upcoming production on campus. Later, we will have a live band performance. But first, today's headlines. A five-year-old boy in Alabama was finally returned to his home after being held captive for six days in an underground bunker. Law enforcement officials safely returned Ethan Monday after killing the kidnapper. According to the New York Times, Special Agent Stephen Richardson said Ethan appeared physically unharmed. The Michigan Farm Bureau says the state's vegetable crops suffered only minor damage from bad weather last year. However, there were heavy losses to fruit, corn, and hay, the Lansing State Journal reported. Vegetable production in Michigan was down about 2% in 2012, while the combined value of the vegetable crop rose by 3%. Now, excitement is still brewing around campus from Super Bowl Sunday. Some enjoyed the football, many favored Beyonce's dance moves, while others were mostly concerned with the hot wings and the highly anticipated commercials. Impact Spencer Ray provides highlights from Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl 47 was in full swing Sunday night as friends gathered all over campus to watch the game and consume mass amounts of pizza, chips, and various treats for four hours. This year's Super Bowl was between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers at the Superdome in New Orleans. It was just another day at the office for the Ravens as they forced three turnovers and even sat Colin Kaepernick three times. Kaepernick kept the 49ers in the game with his 368 yards of offense and two touchdowns. Jacob Treyer, a sophomore finance major, said the storylines leading up to the game hyped up the Super Bowl for him. Oh, it was really cool to see, uh, you know, John and Jim Harbaugh, two brothers, going at it, you know. It's uh, a lot of good sportsmanship, and uh, plus, you know, Ray Lewis, he's gotten a lot of uh, attention these past few weeks, you know, since last year, and it's good to see him uh, ride out with a, a Super Bowl ring. Even though every year the Super Bowl has millions of viewers, not all of them were focused on the game itself. Some love to watch it just for the halftime show. This year's show blew audiences away as Beyonce performed some of her greatest hits and was reunited with her former Destiny's Child group members. David Jago, MSU accounting major, watched the Super Bowl. He said Beyonce was the main attraction for him. Destiny's Child, that was awesome. That was actually awesome. The reunion of Destiny's Child? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was beautiful. I love those girls. The new commercials are also one of the attractions on Super Bowl Sunday. The audience viewed more commercials during a 34-minute delay due to a power outage early in the third quarter. Zach Tadero, a senior media information major, said the commercials were average to him. I thought there were a couple good ones, but the majority of them were pretty mediocre. The Ravens won the Super Bowl 34-31, and Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco was named the game's MVP. Next year, the game will be played in New York without a dome. Who knows what drama could unfold then? 
That was Spencer Ray reporting for Impact 89 FM. Now, Michigan State University is ranked in the nation's top five most sustainable campuses. And every day, through teaching, research, outreach, and campus innovation, Spartans are working to improve the quality of life at MSU and in communities around the globe. MSU has 15 undergraduate majors with an environmental focus, uses the least amount of energy per square foot in the Big Ten, and has a student organic farm. To talk to us tonight is Director of Sustainability, Jennifer Battle. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks, Abby. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now, what efforts is Michigan State University taking in sustainability? Well, there are so many, and it's actually a really exciting time for Michigan State University in this area. Um, We've done quite a bit, but really starting last spring with the energy transition plan is when I feel, I mean, there's been a lot of things happening over the last several years, but the energy transition plan, which was uh, approved by the board in April of this past year, has been really a great tool to catalyze a lot of the no pun intended, energy around energy. So since then, we've had a lot of great student innovation and research put forward by students. Staff have been really working to increase efficiency, and we've been part of the Better Buildings Challenge, which is a, a, part, a national effort from the university. And then we've also added renewable energy to our campus. We're reducing greenhouse gas emissions um, and really, really getting excited about what we can do with energy. So I'm very proud of MSU and the leadership role that they've taken with energy. Okay, and what's the biggest initiative in the energy transition plan, you'd say? There's a lot. Well, first, most people notice the big environmental goals. So improving the physical environment, we have a vision towards moving our campus to renewable energy. And so we have some uh, greenhouse gas emission targets and renewable energy targets. Really excited to say that we are on track um, with both of our targets for 2015, and we're really committed to reaching our goals there. But what people often forget about in the Energy Transition Planner are the other goals related to research and outreach. And our faculty and our students have been amazing in really working towards some innovative energy research. Uh, we have people who are looking at plant research. So we have people looking at um, energy efficiency and smart grid technology. So there's really a whole lot of activity happening at MSU in this area. Okay. And you said, um, again, with research, I hear there's a huge thing. It's called the Be Spartan Green Fund for students to have access to funds so they can do research. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. That's something that is new as of uh, last fall. And we're really excited to offer this because the students have always been extremely interested in how can I contribute? how can I make a difference? And so we wanted to provide resources to students, not only for research projects, but pilot projects or other types of innovations. So we fund projects up to $5,000 for individual students, for registered student organizations, and class projects. And we've gotten a, a wide variety of diverse projects, anything from um, compact fluorescent educa- bulb education to uh, we have a student working on modeling greenhouse gas emissions for transportation for Michigan State. We have students working on athletics, uh, recycling behaviors, and, and the list. I'm sure I'm not doing justice because we get new projects all the time, but the students are fabulous, and I, that's one of my favorite parts has been offering this opportunity for them. Have you had more students than you've had funds available to try to apply? Not yet, because thankfully we have a a generous amount of funds available. (laughs) But, you know, we're getting a couple projects every single week, and we try to get out there and continuously promote this project. So uh, I know I'll be speaking with COGS in the next couple weeks about the project, and I've spoken to ASMSU. And, um, again, we're promoting it through residence halls, and, and I'm just very excited. The students have been great. 
a lot of really great creative ideas, and we're happy to be able to provide that funding to them. I see. You can see she has a huge smile on her face. <laughs> you can tell. Um, now, again, this is the Be Spartan Green Project Fund, but what exactly is the Be Spartan Green campaign? You see it a lot around campus. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. Several years ago, when we were trying to figure out how do we capture all of these sustainability initiatives on campus, provide some visibility to them so people know what's going on. I mean, you might see uh, recycling containers and people associate that with sustainability, but you don't see energy. You don't see transportation. So we wanted to create a, a visual image or a logo or a campaign where people understood that Spartans are doing things all over the campus to improve sustainability, to reduce our impact on the environment. So Be Spartan Green became that umbrella organization or umbrella campaign for everyone's efforts on campus. So although I can't take credit for <laughs> everything that's happening that has Be Spartan Green on it, what's been nice is that uh, lots of units and organ. Yeah, lots of units and students and people on campus have taken it and applied it in their own lives. And so it's it's not just about being green, it's about being Spartan green. So as a community of Spartans, this is something that's important and valuable to us. And I'm sure it doesn't hurt that that's our school color. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. Michigan is kicking themselves over this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Now, is it challenging with such a big campus to do such a campaign as Spartan Green Campaign? Well, you know, it's it's challenging, but then it also has its advantages. I think whenever you do something at this magnitude, you see it, and it's a, it has a huge impact. Um, but yeah, it is challenging. We've got 47,000 students, 10,000 faculty, numbers of visitors, and how do you get people to hear the a message of uh, conservation and innovation and research and all of those wonderful things? So it is challenging, but it's a it's a good challenge to have because as our you know, we always say our students are our best product from Michigan State because you all go out into the world and, and make a difference. So to the extent in which we can engage students and have them be, be Spartan Green, you know, they're making a difference in the world. Okay, and you talk a lot about students getting involved with this. Have professors also gotten involved with their research to try to enhance the sustainability at Michigan State? Absolutely. This really is a community effort, and um, I always, you know, we are here for students, so I always talk about students, but the faculty are equally as excited, too, and over the years we've had a chance to fund a lot of faculty research um, and, and faculty, and not only just teaching faculty, but operations, staff, and partnerships. So, for example, some of the information we know about energy and how our buildings use energy are a result of studies that were done with students, faculty, and our operations staff. So the faculty are wonderful. They're certainly uh, people who are focusing on alternative energy research, food research, and so if you see a lot at the Student Organic Farm and the Bailey Greenhouse, which makes its way to a lot of the food that it's served at Brody and other places on campus. These are faculty, student, staff collaborations, so we, we like to support those to the extent that we can, and um, our whole community is really involved in these efforts. Yeah, it seems like it. And also the Bailey Greenhouse, like you mentioned, it, there's a lot of uh, advertising about that on campus. What's, what is the Bailey Greenhouse exactly? Well, it's a, it's a great example of what happens on a college and university campus that doesn't really happen elsewhere. You have uh, faculty who are experts in greenhouses with students who want to learn how to grow food organically. And then uh, also have the business enterprise piece and selling the, the food and the herbs and the things that are grown in the greenhouse to the residence halls. So students get a really great experience in first understanding the science of growing organic foods, but they also get the business and practical experience of marketing those products to a, to a customer. 
So the Bailey Greenhouse is a, it's a living learning laboratory experience for students uh, on campus. Okay, and I also hear you have kind of another living learning experience called Recycle Mania going on right now. What is that? Yeah, we just kicked off Recycle Mania this week, and it's an eight-week competition. It's a national competition where students are competing to reduce waste, increase recycling, and bring awareness to um, reducing waste and recycling. So it's a lot of fun. This is our third year, I believe, participating, um, and we've we've done pretty well these last few years, and we're still we're, we could do better. We want to win. We're Spartans, um, but so you in the next eight weeks you'll probably see a lot of contests and activities and and videos. I know the residence halls in the past have gotten really involved with promoting Recycle Mania and doing programs around it. So it's a really fun way to learn about how to reduce your environmental impact, how to reduce waste, and um, learn more about recycling at MSU. And what um, activities and events can students look forward to? Um, you, you can know, leave it to surprise if you I need. was going to say, it could be a surprise. <laughs> the great thing is, like I said, everybody kind of takes it and owns it and does their own thing. In the past, students created their own really fun, interesting videos, and there's a video uh, competition. Uh, for staff, I know we have a kickoff luncheon this week. We do a lot of office cleanouts, and um, you'd be surprised how much paper and books and things that are generated. So we, we have a variety of activities that happen, um, and it's just a fun time of year to really get engaged, engaged and learn about recycling and reducing our environmental impact in this way. And what are your future goals in the sustainability realm for Michigan State University? Well, we certainly want to continue to work towards our energy transition goals, and we're actually doing quite well. We've already reduced our coal usage from 85% down to 36% and um, are looking at new renewable technologies every day. Um, on the waste side, we've actually surpassed our goal early, and we're going to be setting more aggressive goals in the coming months. Look forward to that. For water, water conservation is an area that we've, I would say, dabbled in, um, but there's certainly room to set some really aggressive goals in water conservation. So those are three big areas that we'll continue to focus on, as well as other things such as transportation and, and other areas and education, and just making sure that Michigan State University um, staff and students really understand what it means to be Spartan Green. Okay, it sounds good. And again, we're top five right now, so it sounds like you're doing your job. <laughs> well, again, this is Jennifer Battle with the uh, Office of Sustainability. Thank you for coming in Thank tonight. you. Great to have, be here. You're listening to Impact Exposure. here Th thanks again man it was good wait time. you were uh you were hitting it pretty hard tonight are you, are you good to drive heck yeah i am amazing at driving yeah man you sure i mean i can call a cab or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home yeah, you know? yeah don't worry i'm good okay uh hey text me when you get back okay stop right there this is stupid he's drunk friends don't let friends drink and drive ever a message from 88.9 the impact for more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., the Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. In a world where radio was repetitive and mundane, in a time when FM is plagued by the same 15 songs, an army of new songs are called to battle. And only the strongest survive. 
every Sunday night from 8 till 10. Sit or spin. Only on Impact 89FM. Now back to Impact Exposure. East Lansing has developed into a unique place for budding musical artists. One relatively new venue for the underground music scene is the Harriet Brown House. Since its inception in September 2011, the venue has hosted a variety of local and non-local artists. Harriet Brown House celebrated its 20th show last Friday. Impact's Eric Finkler has the story. The house and music venue, Harriet Brown, hosted its 20th show last Friday with artists Raider Alexander, Andy Malad of Wayne Zielinski, and Ted Roberts of Hampshire. Housemates Drew Daniels, Josh Michaels, Ryan Friedas, and Andrew Adams are all involved in music. Daniels leads the MSU Worship Band for Campus Crusade, Michaels is the cellist for the Lansing-based band Doug Maines and the City Folk. Friedis is a member of the MSU Jazz Program and performs with the group Gifts or Creatures. And Adams is a member of the East Lansing-based band Wayne Zielinski. Adams, a resident of Harriet Brown, said they specifically decided on this particular house with a music venue in mind. They chose to name the house after picking a random name out of a phone book. We can't really do them in the garage when it's freezing outside. <laughs> and then we can't really do full band shows in the house. So um, over the winter, we're pretty limited to just acoustic shows in the house. Hosting their first show in September of 2011, Adam said his goal was to bring an underground music community to Michigan State that he felt was lacking before. It seemed like East Lansing was kind of lacking, lacking like an underground music scene. There's like the Loft and Max Bar. But for bands that aren't really connected around here or higher up uh, like my bands weren't when we started <laughs> it's like just good to have a place to play it's really nice to be able to have a space where like our bands could play and then we could just bring in other bands and yeah that's sweet although they are all passionate about music and enjoy hosting shows they have experienced the downfalls of hosting in the house they live in We were actually kind of excited about the winter so we could take a break for a while. It gets crazy. After most shows, like, every single glass in our house is dirtied and, like, stuff like that. And then, like, if people are drinking, there's thousands of cans everywhere and bottles. And But it's really fun and it's worth it. But it's also nice to get a break sometimes. After this year, new residents will take up at Harriet Brown. They said they plan to continue with the venue, making it a place where musicians can play in East Lansing. With Impact News, this is Eric Finkler. This weekend, Michigan State will host the 21st annual Midwest Bisexual, Lesbian, Gay, Transgender Ally College Conference. It consists of a three-day conference with educational workshops, inspirational speakers, and entertainment. Thousands of college students will flock to East Lansing. Here chatting with me about the event is Travis Lumford, Director of Finance, and Erica Sheckel, Director of Marketing and Public Relations for the conference. Welcome, Travis and Erica. Thank Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Thanks for coming. That was very good on cue. <laughs> now first, Travis, can you tell me a little bit about the conference? Well, sure. The conference is an annual conference hosted by a different university each year. Um, it has an audience from all around the country, not just the Midwest. Um, and it, it it's usually a really good time. <laughs> and have you guys both gone in the past, I take it? Yeah, I've been um, for the last two years, ever since my freshman year. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I'm a senior. I've been to the conference three years already, and I'm planning my fourth one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Last one? <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about your experience at the conference. Um, the conference is, it's, it's really quite a phenomenal experience. Um, for a lot of students, it's the first time that they've ever been in a space that uh, feels safe to their identity, to their sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, and it's really quite quite interesting to be in such an environment where for the first time you're actually the majority and you're surrounded by you know 1500 1700 or we're hoping this year 2000 other people who are um, identify similar similar to yourself okay and Travis how about you what was your experience like um, it was actually life-changing I changed my major after uh, really? returning from the conference yeah um, it was a total like total queer takeover <laughs> What was your major before the conference? Uh, my major before the conference was physics, um, and after coming back, I changed it to women and gender studies with a focus on sexuality and conflict and violence. Okay, and what do you want to do? What do you hope to do with that? Um, well, I hope to hopefully do kind of event planning similar to this, um, working for an LGBT <laughs> resource center for a college or university, um, something along those lines, planning and making sure that um, policies are inclusive and campuses are safe. Sure. And it is, there's a lot of letters in these. <laughs> like, um, now, uh, this year, you said you almost have 2,000 students. So how many students do you have signed up right now? Um, currently, as of last night, the official number was 1,898. Um, we're expecting more people to um, register on site as well. Okay. Um, so we could have large groups of, you know, 20, 50 people from a single school registering on, on site. So, so is it, oh, I'm sorry. For, sorry, hoping <laughs> for 2,000. Okay, and is it usual that uh, students travel with their schools and it's kind of a big gathering of that sort? Okay. There's actually, it's a mix of both. Um, some people will come with official sponsored delegations from their university, particularly if their university's paying. Um, MSU no normally takes between 50 and 100 people to the conference every year. Um, but also a lot of people do travel just on their own. Okay. And uh, now why do you feel it's important for students to go to this conference? Um, it's, it really is a a life-changing experience for a lot of people. Um, it, it opens up people's eyes to um, the diversity of the LGBTA community. Um, there's more than just the LGBTA um, to it. Um, there are so many different identities, and people have so many different interesting um, ways to conceptualize their own race or their own gender or their, their own sexual orientation um, and experiences. And so it's really something you won't get necessarily from a textbook um, if your school even has um, a queer studies program, which many schools don't. Um, so it's, it's something that you, the only place to learn all this information is at this conference. And that's really what's phenomenal about it. Okay, and what was the preparation like in trying to prepare for this giant conference? <laughs> well, preparation has actually been going on since, um, for the last two years, um, and even a little bit before that, because we had to prepare a bid to even host the conference. Um, it's consisted of weekly and sometimes twice-weekly meetings, um, and this week we're actually meeting every night <laughs> just to, to put the final details on it. Um, Long hours and lots of hard work, lots of phone calls, lots of emails, uh, lots of professional experience. <laughs> there you go. Good experience, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so what can students expect from the conference? What's going to be going on? Um, the bulk of the conference is made up of um, about 98 workshops. They're broken into seven different sessions, about 13-ish um, workshops per session, as well as um, four keynote speakers and then two nights of e evening entertainment, so Friday and Saturday nights, um, because the conference starts Friday evening and then ends around um, 1 p.m. on Sunday. Okay. And people, whenever I talk to them about this conference, they say, we never sleep. Is that the case? <laughs> 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, we have activities that go until 11 p.m., and then quite often, you know, it's a weekend night, people go out afterward, and then everything starts right back up bright and early at 8 a.m. the next day, so... Are you guys excited to show, um, you know, all these people the East Lansing campus and Michigan State and our community? Mm Mm-hmm. We are very excited. Um, We actually, on Saturday, we'll have a shuttle that will shuttle um, people from the conference center, which is the Lansing Center, downtown Lansing, to campus, because there are events running concurrently um, with the conference. Where do most people stay during the conference? Um, We have about eight hotels that we've negotiated with. Um, The Radisson Hotel is connected to the Lansing Center, so there's a large number of people staying there. Um, We also have clusters of a few other um, hotels in the area where people are staying. Okay, and I hear you have some very interesting um, guest speakers as well. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Um, yeah, our first keynote speaker, um, her name is Emmy Koyama, and she's actually um, from Oregon. She's a writer and the director of the Intersex Initiative, um, and she's a multi-issue social justice activist synthesizing feminist, Asian, survivor, dyke, queer, sex worker, intersex, gender queer, and crip politics. Um, so <laughs> she represents a, a very a very large audience of people. Um, and then our second keynote speaker is Robin Oaks, um, who is essentially the mother of bisexuality. Um, she's a fantastic first person. She's so much fun. I've seen her speak at least twice, um, I think. And she's almost always at this conference. Um, and then we also have Ben Cohen, who is an England, an England um, Rugby World Cup champion. Um, and he also started the Stand Up Foundation, which is Stand Up Against Bullying and Homophobia in Sports. Um, so we're actually having him fly in from the UK um, to come speak at our conference. Um, and then our fourth and final keynote speaker is Elsie Granderson, um, who's actually from Detroit and lives in Grand Rapids currently. Um, and he's a sports journalist for um, ESPN and CNN. Um, and he's gay, Christian, a father. Um, and so he has a lot of different identities. Um, and so we're really excited to have him because he's from Michigan. It's got a lot of diversity in that yeah. group, too. Wow. <laughs> um, now, with all the issues, you know, for instance, like gay marriage and those things really coming to the surface recently, do you feel like it's more important that students attend events like this to, you know, have a discussion about it in a bigger sense? Or what do you think about that? Definitely. Um, Even people who don't necessarily identify with a queer identity, um, Embletech is a very welcoming place for them. Ben Cohen identifies as an ally, someone who's not queer, but a friend to the queer community. Um, And so the conference would provide provide seating for conversations and, and discussions that lead into the larger issues. Okay, and how many allies, as you call them, do you expect to come? Um, we really don't have the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's really it's, no way to tell. Sure. Um, it's, I mean, we welcome everyone. Okay. And if you could have your, um, you know, when the students, if they could walk away with one thing at the end of the conference, what would you want that to be? Um, I think it, for me, I would want them to be able to, to find something at the conference that they can take back to their campuses, to be able to make a difference and work on programs and initiatives or even bolstering their student organizations on campus and also setting up their student organizations for the people who actually come after them when they graduate. Okay. And I would say um, probably a better sense of self-identity. Um, and I think because I think self-identity is very important and it's um, kind of the foundation for creating change, knowing who you are, that way you can change the world. <laughs> <laughs> and will you guys get to enjoy the conference or will we be running around trying to organize it all still? Well, I think both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Well, thank you guys very much for coming. And to find out more information, you can visit the Embletech website, correct? Yep. yep. Okay. Well, thank you again for coming. Yeah, thank you for thank having Thank you for us. having us. You're listening to Impact Exposure. 
just received word of an invasion. Speak quickly, maggot. Is it those Canadians again? I don't know, sir. We just heard that Monday at 8 p.m. the impact will be invaded. You stupid ninny. That's the Asian invasion. It's the poppiest, catchiest, and all-around toe-tapping his music out of the Korea, Japan, and China. But, sir, I'm no good with Asian dialects. Shut up and listen to the music, private. That catchy beat knows no language barrier. Now move out, everyone. Sir, yes, sir. The Asian invasion. Monday nights from 8 till 10 on The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Time, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Thursday nights from 10 until 2 a.m. Listen to the Hours of Power, the scariest and only metal show in the mid-Michigan area. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Michigan State students living in dormitories now have an alternative to buying a gym pass. The Residence Hall Association recently opened cardio fitness centers in the basement of a number of dormitories on campus. Impact's Carmen Scruggs reports. Cold weather and busy schedules might make working out difficult for some students, especially for those with a snowy trek to the closest IM West or IM East fitness center. Starting Monday, however... Working out on campus will be more convenient now that all residence hall fitness centers have reopened. All on-campus students will have 24-7 free access to their dormitory's gym, except Wonders Hall Gym, also known as Wonder Bodies, which will remain closed until fall 2013. Wonder Bodies will feature all new equipment, um, so because of those, those changes, it, the renovation is a lot more extensive. That was Ashley Cheney assistant director of communications with residents education and housing services. She added that because Wonder Bodies will have free weights, staff, and will be membership based, it is taking longer to complete renovations. All gyms within residence halls and apartments closed fall semester 2012 due to safety concerns and liability issues including poor lighting and outdated equipment. Changes to the gyms include new cardio equipment, doors with windows, and installed telephones. All non-cardio machines and free weights were removed from campus gyms as well. In addition to the newly opened gyms, fitness classes like yoga, kickboxing, and Zumba are offered free of charge in all campus neighborhoods. Cheney says offering free fitness services is important for student health and education. It, it's a stress reliever, being able to, you know, to work out, um, keep students healthy, and that will help them do well academically here. Cheney says the reopening of residence hall gyms will also make working out for students more convenient. There'll be something for everyone, you know, regardless of their schedule, regardless of, you know, their, their fitness needs. For on-campus freshman Rebecca, residence hall gyms can now provide an alternate gym when freezing temperatures make the walk to IM West less appealing. I've always used IM West because we didn't have them. Maybe when it's really cold, we'll go to that one, but I prefer IM West. Reporting for Impact News, I'm Carmen Scruggs. The Wharton Center will welcome a unique production this weekend, The Vagina Monologues. This is a performing arts piece that raises awareness on sexual violence being committed against women and children. The Vagina Monologues is a series of monologues based on Eve Ensler's interviews with women on relationships, sex, violence against women, and the perception of vaginas. Earlier this week, I sat down with co-director Emily Serja and cast member Janelle Molding to talk about the show. Well, the Vagina Monologues itself began as a series of interviews by Eve Ensler, um, who is an actor and playwright, and she interviewed over 200 women at the time um, about their experiences with the word vagina, their vaginas, and more generally their experiences as women. Um, over time, it turned into 
uh, a lot of discussions about sexual and domestic violence in particular. So in recent years, the show has taken on more of that kind of tone and has addressed that more directly. Um, but in, I believe it was 2002, uh, V-Day was founded, and that's a national organization, um, and they oversee productions of the vagina monologues all, all over the world. So uh, Michigan State University has been participating in that since its inception. We have been doing it every year ever since. So You are the co-director of Vagina Monologues, correct? That is correct. So what does that entail? Um, every week we have rehearsal. There are four co-directors, and each cast member goes up, gives their monologue, and we give our feedback on how we think that the, the performance could be improved, basically. So we kind of shape the performances over the season. Okay, how'd you get involved with that? Um, well, this is my fourth year with the Vagina Monologues, so I started out um, as a cast member my freshman year and junior year. Then in the middle, I did, uh, like, PR. Um, so having had both of those experiences kind of put me in a good position to sign up to co-direct. Um, and then there's, like, a small... The co-directors from each year choose the co-directors from each from next year. So Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Janelle, you are a cast member. So I am. very cool. How what do you think of doing that? It is an amazing experience. It's probably the best thing I've done all year. Um, I was involved last year with our PR team um, because I was involved in a different show and couldn't commit to rehearsals. But doing that and then acting in it this year is just amazing, and it's the best experience I could ask for. And what about it intrigued you to get involved? I would like to think that I'm a really big feminist. Um, I definitely believe in women's rights and embracing who we are as women, um, and that it's something to be proud of, and Vagina Monologues lets me do that. Um, Now, Janelle, what importance do you see in being a cast member of Vagina Monologues and trying to bring these issues to light? I think a lot of people don't see them. They don't think that it's something that has become normalized, that sexual violence and sexual assault is something that has become part of our culture and that we do have a rape culture and people don't see that because they don't want to see it because it makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. I think the show often makes some people very uncomfortable, but I think it's a good thing because it forces us to like look at these things and be like, well, why are these problems present in our society? Like why have so many women experienced these things and why do we like why does it continue to happen and also you know you use the term vagina very openly and that sometimes people cringe at that and are like oh my goodness you know that's a vulgar word so do you feel like using that term in that sense opens people's eyes even more and is very uh, beneficial and impactful i think so i think that there shouldn't be a reason to cringe at the word vagina um it's an anatomically correct term i don't think there's anything wrong no one cringes at the word penis yet (laughs) um and we we saw you know um in the state house this year we saw um barb byron being um you know ejected from the house floor for using the word vagina in a it was not a crude context in which she used it she used it as the medically correct term that was relevant to the legislation that was being decided at the time um so it's I don't know that we would have that kind of discomfort over the word penis in that situation, and that's something that we're trying to fight. Um, I think that the fear of that word is very reflective of, you know, the fear of, you know, female sexuality um, and just 
the you know it really is a fear not just of the word vagina but i think it reflects a fear of vaginas in general now um the show itself what can the audience expect Mm. without giving anything away of course i think they can expect laughter and tears because they the play has a really beautiful flow of um emotion there's definitely humor, um, but there's also open expressions of anger. There's some more political pieces. There's some really heart-wrenching ones. So it's definitely, um, you know, an emotional roller coaster, but in the best way. If you could have your audience walk away with one thing after the show, what would it be? Uh, I just want them to, like, throw their fists in the air and be like, yeah, vaginas! Like, <laughs> that's just what I want them to feel. Like, I want them to feel as empowered like male or female or you know any regardless of gender or any situation i just want them to be like yeah like vaginas are great yeah um and one one tradition that we have every year and this is a v-day tradition not just an msu vagina monologues monologues tradition but at the end of the year um we ask people those of us who have experienced sexual violence or know someone who has um to stand up and um compel them to sort of pledge to themselves um, into the world that they want to stop sexual violence from happening. Um, so that's one thing that we very deliberately do at the end of the show. But mostly, I guess I would want people to walk away with just a new awareness of the prevalence of sexual violence. Now, Janelle, do you feel empowered when you're up there giving your monologue? Um, do you raise your fist in the air afterwards? I definitely <laughs> do. Know? My monologue ends with me screaming, um, a, it's definitely an empowering thing. I think that out of a lot of the monologues, I have one that's very, um, my character is very passionate about the topic, and I definitely scream, and <laughs> it becomes a chant. It's great. <laughs> I think audience can look forward to this. Yes. <laughs> so then you have a very interesting monologue, I hear. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Um, it was based off one woman's story from Pittsburgh. It's sort of a breakdown. Um, the way I like to think of it is more, it seems more like a spoken word piece to me. And it's just the passion that comes from a, a word that has been seen as so pejorative and dirty. And I think it's very um, reflective of how our society views the word vagina as well. You see women, or particularly this woman, but a lot of women feel that way, that they can take a word and reclaim it, and like it doesn't have to be a dirty thing. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. That like it's it's part of who we are, and it's okay to use, you know, a, a word that you feel embraced by and you feel empowered by. So the concert itself are benefiting a few different organizations. Can you tell me about those? So um, a portion of our proceeds go to V-Day, um, which is an international organization, and um, the rest go to MSU Safe Place, um, which is an on-campus shelter helping those who have experienced domestic and sexual violence. How has the show changed throughout your four years of being involved with it? We actually get a different script every year. So um, although like the core group of monologues are the same, there's usually a different spotlight monologue. Um, this year is really exciting because we'll actually be showing um, a short film to promote the One Billion Rising movement, which is a sub-movement of V-Day. Okay. It's always a different cast. It's a different energy. Um, I'm really proud of the casting decisions that we made as co-directors this year because I think that the group is really just stunning and has a really good... Um, you know, vibe that they've built together. Um, and every year the cast has that, but that vibe is very different every year. 
That is cool. Yeah. Um, now, where do you guys get the monologue? Um, they were actually formed, they were actually written by Eve Ensler. Um, she took them from her impressions of the interviews. So she took the literal transcriptions of the interviews that she had with real women and translated them into, you know, more something a little more poetic. Um, but they're all based on the experiences of real women. So we don't um, write these monologues ourselves, but every year there are places in which the actors are free to write their own lines. So um, we do have a section this year that someone added a line uh, referencing the legislation that happened in Michigan. Um, some people, uh, there have been, I think there's a Honey Boo Boo reference. Um, <laughs> of so, course. <laughs> yeah, so we always, you know, you can throw in something a little more timely since we've been doing these monologues for many years. Okay. It's very interpretive, I feel like, as well. Mm -hmm. So it's all about production. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, lastly, you guys are very passionate about this issue. Has this involvement with the Vagina Monologues sparked interest in future careers, in future endeavors? I think it definitely has made me realize that there are a lot of things I can do with the passion that I have. I, I did switch my major after my freshman year, which was my first year. Um, I did switch my major to women's and gender studies. Oh, wow. um, I had originally come in as an English teaching major. Um, and now I'm looking more into getting my degree in women's and gender studies and doing some form of social work. It's been impactful for you guys, so I'm sure it'll be impactful for the audience as well. Thank you, Janelle and Emily, for coming. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Thanks very much. The show will be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. For ticket information, you can visit the Wharton Center website. Next up, we will feature a Michigan State band in our Spartan Spotlight. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. <laughs> we end... <laughs> uh, we end exposure tonight with a musical performance. A new Michigan State band has recently surfaced, Me and My Friends. The band has been together for two months, and it is a combination of hip-hop, pop, folk, rock, and electro. They are performing at The Loft next Tuesday, but they're in the Impact Studio now. Welcome to Exposure. Thank you so Thank you. much. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them. So. <laughs> um, first off, can you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Nate. I'm Chris. I'm Will. I'm Kyle. And I'm Nate Jr. Okay. <laughs> and this is me and my friend's band. So first, can you tell me a bit, a bit about your band? I Well, it all started last spring where I met Chris over here on our mission trip down in Texas. And, you know, just blows my mind because out of the 12 people, out of like the 40,000 here at State, you know, me and Chris were two of the kids on this trip, you know. So it all started with us meeting. He's told me about, you know, his passion for music. We connected like that. And then when we got back to State, um, you know, it started hitting me up. And we just started out at the studio at the DMAT and uh, the communications bu building. And uh, 
ever since then, you know, it's just been a work in progress, and, you know, things started falling into place, and now here we are with all the guys, so. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you guys ever picture yourself in a band before this? I always wanted to, but I never really, I mean, I've been playing guitar for coming nine years now, and I never had the opportunity, and I was always kind of frustrated, because when I was in high school, I wanted to so bad when I knew I was coming to Michigan State, because I knew there was a lot of people here, like, it's a pretty creative outlet, but uh, now when I come back, I'm I'm really excited. Like I've never had this opportunity, and we had our show at Max last weekend. It was just a riot, and like I'm really glad that it kind of came along. But <laughs> was your show last weekend the first show? It was for me. I think these guys have had some before, but okay. What about you guys? Was it your uh, first we're, show? We're both relatively new. We started here uh, last week, and uh, so we're, we learned everything quick. And <laughs> okay. Jumped up in the in the How scene of it all. Yeah. How are you and feeling, Lil? Uh, yeah, uh, I actually just moved up here into Lansing just to go to school, and I uh, went down to local music store. And Chris was the receptionist helping me out, and he just saw what I was buying. He's like, "Hey, man, you got you to slow down." We, like, we really session. need a bass player. We really need a bass player, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I can do that. That's easy." So you know, I met up with these guys, and here we are. Okay. I think Chris has got a habit of picking people up at Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's what I do. <laughs> you met me there, too. Uh, That's what, what it do. seems like. <laughs> um, now, why are you guys called me and my friends? That's what we are. So our, our, our music is more about the camaraderie than it is about the music. You know, we like to have fun with what we're doing. We like to enjoy the people we're doing it with, so... Friends are the best people to hang out with, so me and my friends, you know, it's catchy, everyone likes it. Yeah, and it all started out, you know, jamming out in my basement. You know, originally I had my best friend and his uh, his cousin who lives up here, you know, he was the drummer, and we were just always jamming out and always having our friends over, you know, and some of them who didn't really play any instruments, but they're there for the fun, they're there for the good times, and it's all about the positive vibes, you know, so we're like, hey... Me and my friends, simple as that. But nobody's the me. That should be stated. Nobody's yeah, no the one's me. the me. It's about, it's about you know, the we'll team as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, if anything, we'll the crowd's the me. Okay. We're their friends. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, you guys are, it says hip-hop, pop, folk, rock, and electro. How did you come across that combination? <laughs> That's more me and my friends. All the friends that come over, they do stuff, and it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there you go. Now, how do you find inspiration for your songs? Because you do write them yourself. Yeah. So, um... I guess a lot of our inspiration comes from a lot of the other artists that we listen to. I personally listen to a lot of folk. Um, I listen to a lot of like underground hip hop too. So I mean that works for me. Nate listens to a lot of like Mayday Parade and things uh, like that. So Blink you know that. Too, Taken by Sunday, yeah. you know, Sunday. Eminem. I, I you know got a rep shady, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, how do you feel Lansing and East Lansing is for a uh, stage, I guess, for music? Do you feel like it's easy to get integrated to the music scene here, or was it rather difficult? Well, definitely. It's a city. I mean, <laughs> you got you got all the venues that are local that are going to, you know, play your music. You got the radio station down the street, obviously. <laughs> that's great. So Plus, the you know, the 40,000 students that go here, you know, like, how do you get big or how do you like make a difference or make an impact it's with you know the youth and that's where that's where it's at right here at Michigan State University so it's a great place um, um, to get your foot in the door to spread the word to promote you know market a little bit so that's a great opportunity a great place to be <laughs> what do you guys see for your future uh, we've got a couple big shows lined up uh, we're gonna be announcing those uh, on our website pretty soon yeah. uh, <laughs> after that uh, we'll probably we've got our eyes on Colorado for a summer venue yeah. Uh, probably do like a Vail or Denver or something like that. Um, we're also uh, planning on hitting Panama City in March, so uh, that'll be fun, yeah. <laughs> and today you're going to play us two songs. The first one is called 15 Minutes. Can you tell us about that song and where that inspiration came from? Well, uh, 
15 minutes was uh well the hook at least was my idea you know the, everybody oh, has sure, their own, yeah. everyone has everyone has their own everyone has their own Me part yes. everyone has their, yeah, I'm, no, no but uh, and, and, and all seriousness um 15 minutes came from uh a really cool point in my life where I was just doing a lot of traveling and uh me and one of a, a really good friend of mine uh we always had this runaway plan where all it took was headphones a bathing suit and your credit card and you could hop on any plan go anywhere and be fine <laughs> so uh 15 minutes is about that her pulling up outside of my house saying let's go and it takes me 15 minutes to get ready so yeah <laughs> yeah that's what he says but now i'm bringing all now i'm bringing all me and my friends with me so okay well without further ado here is me and my friends with 15 minutes they promised me it wouldn't take them 15 minutes to get ready but i'm just kidding <laughs> go ahead Behind a brand new you and me We'll hit the road and leave We can't follow our dreams I can't figure out why I choose to live above this I got a little money and friends I've got hundreds but it doesn't make me happy And I'm wondering if I should take some time off Are you coming, friend? I'm throwing darts at a map Travel agent on a speakerphone City's full of heartbreak A new city should be my home Can't believe the season's whole So much grief the beast is gone Give me my heart, release my soul Jesus cold, yesterday I called you denied I met you at the mall and you just looked surprised Tried to forget it all, but you're always on my mind So I'll assume all those lines you supplied, they were lies I tried to tell my friends on the side I tried to tell the friends of our friends and they cried I tried to leave it all in the wind, but it died But now I'm just thinking that the world just wants me to keep this all inside So give me 15 minutes to pack up all my things I'll meet you in the car, we can hit the road and leave Leave this life behind, a brand new you and me we can pack our bags and go travel down this road all alone too far from home this is all i've ever known just a young man getting blown just a young man getting stoned just a young man asking god will he sink or learn to flow then it all hits him while he's chilling reminiscing looking at his baby pictures and he just starts missing the days of his youth and he just starts wishing that he made some better choices could have done things different now I'm speaking, I'm just hoping that the world listens to the beating of his heart Cause it's screaming of forgiveness, screaming from the pain inside He almost took his own life, almost threw it all away But now he's shining so bright in every single lonely night He's searching deep inside, searching for God's love, searching for those vibes And as he hears the bell start ringing, knows it's time to spread those wings and fly So high up in the sky, he's feeling so alive tonight so 15 minutes to pack up all my things, I'm you in the car, we can hit the road and leave. Leave us side behind a brand new you and me. We'll hit the road and leave. We can follow our dreams. Just follow. We can all go down the same road. 
That's me and my friends with 15 minutes. Okay, guys, now here's the question. If you had 15 minutes to get ready, what would you bring besides your swimsuit? My and fiance. where would you go? Your fiance? I have to say that. Okay. <laughs> I think she'd be happy. <laughs> what about you? Um, Probably his guitar. Yeah, got to bring the axe, I suppose. Yeah. I don't really know. I'm not picky. Maybe a, probably a pizza. Okay. Yeah. A really fresh. big pizza. Not a huge pizza. <laughs> Acoustic guitar, some paper and a pen. Okay. And all that love inside, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? As long as I got my wallet, I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and these days with the iPhone, you're set. You don't yeah. need anything else. <laughs> and tell me about the next song you guys are going to play. It's called uh, Coast Away. It's a uh, really cool song. It's about uh, you know positive vibes. Just like if bad things happen, you, you just let them brush off, fall off of you. Let it go. Things will always work themselves out the way they're supposed to. So yeah. All right. And did you write this one again? Yeah, we all okay. we all did. Okay. So is that usually what it is—a collaborative effort? Yeah. yeah. A lot of times, usually how it works is like someone will come up with a cool melody, and then we'll try to incorporate it as a hook. But as far as writing, you know, I write my own verses. Chris writes his own verses. You know, guitar will and you know Nate over here—they do their own stuff on the guitar and bass. Um, Kyle, you know, he adds whatever he feels like you know would best fit the song. And yeah, it's about the collaboration. It's not about any one person. It's about what we all bring to the table and how can we make that work? How can we make that flow? So. Okay. Well, again, me and my friends with Coast Away. Go ahead. Yo. Okay. Sometimes in life you just gotta coast away Learn to let it go and search your better days Oh, by the way, I miss that bittersweet taste of all those memories All those times we spent together but between just you and me Lately I've been feeling so weak I've been begging on my knees for weeks Just listen God for the vision to see What the future holds for me, what the future holds for thee Will we ever be everything we've always wanted to be Because I refuse to get stuck, get labeled by these wannabes Become another useless face, put up on some family tree so Lord, please just set me free, just let me learn to flourish my wings Just let me find the voice inside, just let me find the voice to sing To the people in the crowd, standing right in front of me One day I know I'll make my proud and she will finally see That in this life everything is exactly how it's supposed to be So don't be mad at me, I'm living life to the fullest, just coasting So you flow, you lift up and coast away And just coast away So you flow, you lift up and coast away should just coast away, make a break for the closest plane and crash land in that coastal state, a place where no one knows my name, no one really knows my face, and that's where I'll raise my glass and say cheers to a brand new day, never being grounded, just always being lifted like a plane full of cranes, bumping heads in the ceiling, I've been having trouble sleeping, letting bad vibes creeping, but I'm busy working hard, my successes in my sequence, my DNA, see me in a different place, one day I'm a nobody, the next day you see me on stage, man they thinking that we 
We crumbled when they saw the team leave. But I guess all those rumors stay on TMZ. Me and my friends work too hard to be decided against. So no critics should be riding the fence. Anything that comes between the light and the end is just life. And I'll ride it till the tires are rims. So you flow, lift up and coast away. Just coast away. All right, that's me and my friends with Coastal Ray. <laughs> thank you guys very much for coming in. Uh, thank you so much for having us. <laughs> thank you. Can Good luck at your concert uh, on thank you. Yeah, it's February 12th February at the 12th. Loft. Feel free if you guys want to come on by. We're opening for 21 Pilots. Okay. Um, yeah, so at the Loft. And thank Sweet. you again for coming in. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, now to end tonight's exposure, I have the motivational moment, a time to leave you with inspiration for the week. In this moment, I quote Ralph Waldo Emerson. We are all inventors, each sailing out on a voyage of discovery, guided each by a private chart of which there is no duplicate. The world is our gate, all opportunities. Thank you for tuning in tonight, keeping you informed, and bidding you farewell until next week. This is Abby Newton for Impact Exposure 89FM. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure 89FM.